Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of iPhone Life Podcast. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher of iPhone Life Magazine. I'm Sarah Kingsbury, senior web editor of iPhoneLife.com. And I'm Donna Cleveland, editor-in-chief of iPhone Life Magazine. We've got a really cool show for you today. Uh, we're going to talk about which carrier to choose. Uh, I wrote an in-depth article about it, talk, comparing uh, the prices, comparing the coverage, and all the things you need to know when deciding which carrier. So we're going to talk about it in today's podcast. Uh, also get to some news and, of course, answer some insider questions. Uh, but before we get started, let me take a minute to tell you about iPhone Life Tip of the Day. It's a free daily tip. Every day, we'll send you an email and give you a cool tip of some way you can use your iPhone better and get more out of your iPhone. So go to iphonelife.com slash daily tip to subscribe. Uh, and I think, Sarah, are you telling us your favorite tip today? My favorite tip is uh, what to do if Facebook is causing you a lot of problems, the oh, Facebook app. It's causing me so many problems. Well, Facebook... F- fixed one of the worst problems, which was it was draining your battery because it was running audio in the background all the time on uh-huh, silent. Uh-huh. But there's still, it takes up a lot of storage and it, it just uses up a lot of your battery. And what you can do instead is save a web icon to your home screen. It looks like the app icon, but it's just a link to Facebook in Safari. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that by opening up Facebook and logging in in Safari and then tapping the share icon and then choosing, you know, save to home screen, and then a little Facebook app icon, well, not app icon, web icon. It looks like an app icon. For all practical purposes, it's an app icon. And it really makes a huge difference in your battery life. I've been doing it, and I mean, Safari, not surprisingly, is my biggest user of my battery now. (laughs) But the amount of battery it takes to, like, you know, scroll through Facebook on in Safari is so much less than the app. And do you find that the app is, or sorry, do you find that the web version is just as good as the app is? I find that the web version shows me slightly different things, mm-hmm. which is a little annoying. And I used to switch back and forth between <laughs> the app and the web version, which I don't even want to think about what that says about me. Well, okay. So in one of our podcasts, we each looked and said how long we'd spent on Facebook and announced mm-hmm. it. And Sarah conveniently forgot to mention that she was not revealing the fact that she's also using the browser <laughs> version. That's <laughs> true. But, mystery um, solved. Yeah. yeah. But it one wasn't thing... a mystery. We knew she was lying. <laughs> That's me, so sneaky. One advantage to the web um, Facebook version is that you don't have to switch between Messenger and Facebook, which I find uh... really annoying. I, I know that was a really big deal for a while that like Messenger is its own app. And when you tap the Messenger button in the app, it takes you to the Messenger app. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me anymore. Does it, does it? I mean, it bothers you, Sarah. Does it bother you, Donna? I like the Messenger app fine. I still don't I still don't love that you switch from one app to another, though. Yeah. But um, but I do use Messenger. Now I use it a lot of times just like not as a connected app to Facebook. Yeah, I use that app all the time, too. That's why I think yeah. it doesn't bother me. Also, with iOS 9, it like the in the left-hand corner, it, it gives you the option to switch right back to Facebook, and that makes it mm-hmm. easier, too. Yeah, that is a big advantage. Um, one thing I like about using Facebook Messenger is you can see in Facebook which of your contacts are online and if you want to text someone but you want to know if they're going to answer you right away being able to tell because they're not savvy enough to turn that off (laughs) is really handy i i really like that too but i don't know that i was going to admit that on the podcast it feels very stalkery to like (laughs) like well i want to send them a message but let me see if they've been online recently (laughs) well messenger 
Messenger, can you turn off too the um, it, it tracks whether people have read your messages? And I feel like I haven't figured out how to get around that. You can't. I've researched uh. it. I know. I here's here's a tip for you. You can if you see somebody messaged you. What you can do. Is... <laughs> Sorry, I'm all embarrassed in my life. I know we're like revealing weird. too much. I know. Here. <laughs> um, you can swipe down and read the message and notifications oh, so that you don't have to open the app triggering. and see that they saw. Because it. it's one of those annoying things where sometimes you have time to read a message, but you don't have time to respond, especially mm-hmm. if it's a long one. But like mm-hmm. having it hang out there, seeing that you see, showing that you've seen it, I always feel weird about that, especially if yeah, it's like. So do I. Sometimes people ask you like kind of a serious question on it, and those are the ones you don't have time to respond to, but those are the ones where like it's even more awkward to have it hang out there. No, yeah. it's true. I was actually having like a somewhat sensitive conversation on messages with my sister, and I know what would happen was she was either watching a TV show and like answering the questions <laughs> on the commercial, or you know, her kids were like coming up and that's what I like about messaging. You can do other things and still carry mm-hmm. on a conversation. But it was like I'd like say something important and she would like – I knew she'd read it and then I'd like wait yeah. five minutes for her to be like, that's really tough. I'm so sorry. Like, you know? Totally. It's like how sorry are you if you waited five minutes to respond? Yeah, wait till the commercials. Obviously, like your show is more important than me. I, and I, it's true. I don't like in reverse either. Like I don't even like to see if they've read the message because mm-hmm. then I'm like sitting there like, I know you've read it. Please respond. Whereas like if I text I somebody, I don't know if they've read it and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I try not to pay attention. I've (laughs) never talked to anybody who likes this feature. I wonder why they continue to force this upon us. Noah Simpson, our COO, likes this feature. Really? At least in texting, he has read receipts turned on. I have to give him a hard time about this. So, As much as I'm saying that it bothers me, sometimes I do like to be able to see it. Like sometimes if I'm sending somebody a message and like I haven't heard back from them for a while or something, I'll deliberately use Facebook Messenger instead (laughs) to see if they're seeing it or if they're just like (laughs) totally MIA. (laughs) Oh dear. I don't know how we got into this subject, but moving right along, uh, do you, so do you find the experience on your web browser version of Facebook or your mobile browser, I should say? Uh, the same or because I haven't done that because it do, it doesn't feel like it's the same to me. It feels like it's a little slower. It's, Everything it's, seems smaller. It's that. slightly different. I mean, it's optimized for, I mean, it's obviously the mobile version of the site, but the app is really optimized for your phone, right? And the web version is not. So even though it's a mobile version of their website, it's, it is, there's just something lacking in this sort of smoothness and ease of the of the uh, experience, and I actually did put that Facebook app back on my phone this morning. <laughs> How about you, Donna? Do you use the Facebook app or the Facebook browser? I use the app, but I was happy to know about this tip because I do. I have the 16 gigabyte iPhone 6S. And Which so, we'll get into. You're going to yes. get shamed for that in a minute. Yes. And Spoiler. I, already, it's only been like two months, and I've I've gotten the alert that my storage is almost oh, full several disaster. times. So I keep on deleting apps that I don't need and then like <laughs> re-downloading them. And well, so. and this is a great thing. If there's like news sites that you visit all the time and you don't really want to put their mm-hmm. app on your phone, you can create these home screen icons which take you right to their web page. And, and don't take up as much space. Yeah, right. it's a good solution. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I, what keeps happening to me, it's similar to the bug you were saying with Facebook, but uh, it, it seems to be a slightly different variation of it, uh, where with the Facebook app, it may be the same problem. Like, I'll be listening to music, and it's like a certain volume, and then I open the Facebook app, and the, vol- the volume like goes in half, 
And then really? I'll close the Facebook app and the volume goes back up. So it's like I have to choose between listening to music or <laughs> uh, using Facebook. But, I mean, it seems like listening to music and spying on your friends and family is like... It's something like, you should be able to do at the like same time. It's like peanut butter and jelly. They go together so well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, the next thing we're going to talk about is Insider. So uh, if you haven't heard of iPhone Life Insider yet, go check it out. It's our premium subscription. You get a digital subscription to the magazine. You also get a video tip of the day. Every day we'll email you a video with a useful tip. You get in-depth guides. So we do video guides on topics. Uh, and you also, and this is the relevant part for this uh, podcast, is you get to email us your questions. So uh, Sarah, what were some of the questions that you got this week? Just a couple quick questions, and now that I'm looking at it, I see that one of them is a Facebook one. Um, <laughs> this is from Norm, and he says, I do not have the Facebook app on my iPhone 6. How do I stop notifications from Facebook? Sorry, um, Norm, you do have the Facebook app. <laughs> that was my answer. If you're getting notifications from an app, it's on your phone. Um, if you can't find the app, and that's why you think it's not on your phone, the solution is to swipe down from the center of a home screen or at the first home screen, swipe to the right to open up Spotlight Search, type in Facebook, and then you'll see the app. And then if you want to turn off the notifications, I mean, you can actually delete the app if you don't want it on your phone, and that would take care of the notifications. And you can just firmly press on the app icon once you find it and get there, and then it will start jiggling, and an X will appear, and you can just, you know, press X. Um, Although... Uh, one thing I've noticed with the iPhone 6s is that it's it's you have to be more careful with how hard you press in order to mm. delete an app because you know before mm -hmm. you just press and hold on an app and now you you can easily force touch or 3D touch the screen by accident so you have to like well that's a good point and actually <laughs> there's another way to delete apps um, you can go into settings um, general and manage storage and you can find the app in the list of your of you know showing where how much storage you're using and if you tap on that app if it's not a native iOS app there should be an option to delete the app so you can delete it there if you can't make the app jiggling thing work oh it, that's great it's not that hard though i mean it, it no, it's i not. i agree with donna it's trickier than it used to be but basically if you 3D touch so you press the screen very hard then it tries to pull up a shortcut so what you have to do is you have to hold lightly on the app until it starts jiggling. <laughs> yeah, it, it just takes a little getting used to. Some that practice. was one of the things that yeah, I, I didn't definitely. love about 3D Touch. We had this conversation too, and what bothers me is the copy and paste. It's the same problem. It's like you, yeah. can't, you can't 3D Touch copy and paste, but it's like trying to find the right pressure sensitivity is mm. like difficult sometimes. Yeah, it's a little frustrating. I look forward to experiencing that frustration when you finally <laughs> order my phone for me, David. Sarah's mad at me because for the last week I've been promising that I was going to go order the phone, but I just haven't had the heart to call up customer service because I spent like hours on the phone <laughs> with them a couple weeks ago trying to research this article. <laughs> they, they are frustrating people sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, if you don't want to delete Facebook, Norm, what you can do is go into settings, open notifications, find Facebook and tap on that and then toggle allow notifications off and then you won't have it any notification problems anymore. Although it sounds like you don't even use it, so maybe just delete it. Um, the second question is from Ray and he says, I'm trying to find out how to send a group text message. How do I make a group quickly or change who's in it? Um, so 
all you have to do is like as if you were starting you know a regular text message but then just keep adding people in the to field mm -hmm. and then um and then to change who's in it you can tap on details in the conversation and there will be a list of the people who are in the conversation you can swipe left on those names to delete them or you can below that list tap add contact and add another person can you name the groups you can above Ooh. the list of people mm -hmm. there's a, a place group. to name the group i'm definitely going to do that yeah one question i have with that um you can only change groups if you're the one who created the group right yeah, I don't think you can delete people if you didn't create the group. Mm. I, believe yeah, you I think so. You might be able to add contacts. I'm not sure. But... It'd be kind of funny. If and you can also yeah. leave the conversation. You can delete yourself from the conversation. Which, which is, is, yeah. which is a God. godsend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you guys noticed from, for me in my Messenger app, um, or my Messages app, I should say, um, it, I can't search very well anymore. Like I'll search for somebody in their most, their most recent text messages won't come up. Actually what it is, it's the groups that like, if I search for two names, it won't pull up the time when I texted those two people. Have you guys noticed this? No, uh, I've no. actually found search to be pretty good in messages. It was until 9.1. I'm having a mm. weird like 9.1 bug. Interesting. Huh. Well, that might be a good motivation for naming your group. That, that's why I asked. I was <laughs> I couldn't find. I have like some groups of friends where I'll, I'll message regularly, and I can never find them now, and I have to like recreate that group every time. Well, I just searched you, and I see your name, and I see the different many, many group conversations I seem to be in with you. <laughs> so I don't know what your problem is. I don't know. No, I... you know what? I am having the same okay, problem. Good, well, okay, good, I'm, I'm using iOS 9.2. I'm in the beta Ooh. program. So there's a fix on the way for you. Okay, good. That makes me feel better. Um, all right. Well, I realized I forgot to give you the URL to go to iPhone Life Insider. So if you didn't guess, it's iphonelife.com slash insider. So go check that out. Uh, we're going to do some quick news. Uh, we're, we have a lot to talk about, so we'll get through this quickly. Before we get into news, though, we got a letter regarding a previous podcast, so I wanted to read that to you guys. Uh, typically, we're actually going to cut this section in, in today's podcast, but normally we go over our favorite apps of the week or apps that we're trying out. And a couple weeks ago, I was trying an app called Over. Uh, and what this app lets you do is it lets you... Im uh, overlay text onto your images. And I was saying it was a really nice interface and I liked the app, but I couldn't think of any reason to use it. Uh, creating memes, David, duh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a meme creating app, obviously, Sarah. Oh, okay. Um, I stand corrected. <laughs> no, you can do that. It's true. That's a good point, memes. But I was like, you know, I put like a cheesy fall quote on a picture of leaves and I was like, I couldn't think of anything to do that wasn't really cheesy. So can we, you send that to, that to us later? <laughs> I'm just thinking David should just start making things like that and sharing them on Facebook and have like no friends after a while. <laughs> um, I can put it in the link if you guys want it on the podcast. Yes, please. <laughs> it wasn't a, that cheesy of a quote. It was my Tom Robbins, my, one of my favorite authors. He goes, I think I've quoted this to you guys. It's autumn, the springtime of death. <laughs> oh, that's so, amazing. So it's a, a picture of leaves in that quote. Mm -hmm. uh, we can put it, iphonelife.com slash podcast. You guys get to see my amazing photography now, apparently. Um, <laughs> but we got a message, and I forgot to write down this person's name, unfortunately. Um, but somebody emailed us, and she said, uh, first, the update, because I was talking about Over because they just updated it. So she said, the update is amazing. I've been using Over since its original release. The developers uh, made it easy to access the features. 
I use over for a few things. I use text on daily weather screenshots. This gives me uh, a visual record of the weather every day. So, and she actually attached a screenshot. I wonder if she'll mind if we include it. I bet she wouldn't. So we'll include that, iphonelife.com slash podcast. Uh, and what she does is she does a screenshot of the weather and then she writes the date on it. She uses an emoticon to put whether it's cloudy or sunny and um, mm -hmm. a few other things. So we'll link to that. So that was a creative use for over that I hadn't thought of before. Uh, and the other thing she does is she uses it for creating, like if she's doing an event for social media or creating some kind of graphic that is very simple where you don't need like Photoshop, for example, she uses it for that. So she said she did an event uh, on social media and she shared it with the group and she did a photo for that as well. So those were two interesting use cases for Over. I'd ask mm -hmm. people to send us that. So if you guys use Over in a unique way, send us an email, podcast at iphonelife.com. Uh, are you guys using Over? I don't remember if you were here for the Over podcast or not. No, I'm not allowed to have anything to do with memes because I have teenagers and that would just be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I have it on my phone and I like played around with it a little bit, but I've never, I had the same issue as you where I don't really create memes that often. Yeah, yeah. yeah also, we've discussed this before, but I don't really take photographs, so. <laughs> or you don't take them well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which discourages me from taking them. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, moving along to the news. We're cruising today. iPad Pro pre-orders. Uh, when do they... So pre-orders have started now, or when do they Tomorrow. start? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, <laughs> all right. And you can get the Apple Pencil and the new smart keyboard as well. All right. And so, and so remind me what the prices are. Do you guys remember off the top of your head? Uh, the Pencil is 99 And the, I believe the... Um, oh, man, the keyboard is at 139 I think. And the iPad Pro starts at seven ninety nine. Yeah, but it seemed like to get the model you really wanted was about a thousand. Yes. So are you guys doing it? I think we've talked about it in the other no, podcasts. No, I'm gonna get a MacBook. You're going with the MacBook. Which MacBook? The MacBook Pro, the MacBook Air, or the MacBook? I have not decided yet. I haven't gotten that far. I've just decided against the iPad Pro. Okay. I um I'm really interested in the iPad Pro, but. I decided after we debated to wait a couple of years. I do have a MacBook Air right now, and it, right now it's it's fine. It does pretty much what I want. So I think I'm gonna wait a little bit and see what some of the reviews are. Mm -hmm. um, but I did get a chance to try the Microsoft Surface Pro four, and playing with that did make me excited about the iPad Pro because they're pretty similar. I mean, besides Windows 10, which yeah, is a big difference. Exactly, but. and that's one of the things we, we talked about in the podcast. But to me, I think the Surface Pro is doing a lot of things really well, but <laughs> I just I couldn't go back to Windows anymore. I, I can't really do it. I really am starting to hate Windows. Yeah. But it is nice just to be able to like use the keyboard, use the touchpad, the, um, and then also have the touchscreen. And mm. the stylus. I mean, in a way, it's like overkill. Like you can do whatever I've you want. But it's my daughter fun. has a laptop with a touchscreen. It's Windows, and I've definitely felt jealous of her touchscreen capabilities. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just don't think the iPad Pro is where I need it to be. So I I okay. touched my special home screen icon for iPhoneLife.com. Ah, oh, there you go. Tip and of the day: create a shortcut to iPhoneLife.com. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a good idea. It is. Um, so the Apple Pencil is ninety nine dollars. The smart keyboard is $169, and the iPad Pro starts at $749 for the 32-gigabyte Wi-Fi model, and it goes all the way up to $1,079 for the 128-gigabyte cellular model. 
Yeah, it's it's too expensive. I saw, it was interesting today. I don't know if you guys saw this. I, I might have slacked it to you guys. We talked about slack last week, so now I can use that expression. Uh, I, Tim Cook went on record saying he doesn't know why people are buying PCs anymore. I know why I bought PCs for my kids, because they were like less than $500. I, I, but he was including Macs in that. That's what was so interesting oh, about okay. it. Basically, he's saying you don't need it anymore. And I, I'm assuming he was kind of lumping MacBook Air as not a full PC. I don't know. But it was interesting to me because, I mean, obviously he's trying to hype his new product, which is the iPad Pro, which is supposed to be a PC replacement. Uh, but to go so far as to say people don't need a computer anymore was a pretty extreme statement, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I don't know if I'm there yet. It, it ties back to what we were talking about in a previous podcast, and we just wrote, I, uh, we just published a story on the website that I wrote a while back about this, how they need to merge the operating systems. Like, mm-hmm. you can't use a mobile operating system as your only operating system right now mm-hmm. and use it as a, in a professional context, in my opinion. I mean, I feel like most people are using laptops now and attaching them to screens, but there are still people who are using, like the desktop computers, you know? So to say that people aren't even gonna be using laptops anymore is maybe premature. Yeah, I mean, in David's article, he talks about how that could be the end game, that once processors are fast enough in your smartphone, you can just connect it to a monitor and then you basically have the desktop set up, but you're just using, you're just paying for the processor once. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But what I, right now I feel like the laptop and the tablet experience aren't that far apart, but I agree that the desktop experience and your tablet experience are still pretty far apart. Yeah, you yeah. use them really exactly, exactly. Um, so next news. Oh, so wait, I just want to ask: Does Tim Cook use only an iPad Pro? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to find that out. <laughs> because I feel like that's the only way he can justify that statement. And I, I feel skeptical. I feel skeptical, too. I can't imagine he doesn't have an iMac sitting on his desk or mm. the Mac Pro. So I don't know. <laughs> we can Maybe he can email us, podcast at iphonelife.com, and let us know. <laughs> um, next news, uh, Apple Watch sales. Um, so they didn't release their numbers, but we got some hint as to mm-hmm. what their sales would be. Yeah, there was a report from Canalys, a research firm that says that, um, what is it, $7 million right. worth of Apple Watch sales in the first two quarters. Wait, was it? No, it, no, I think it's, it's 7, 7 million, million units. units. So, yeah. Okay, sorry. Which that is, is a big difference. No other smartwatch uh, manufacturer shipped more than 300,000 units in the same period. Yeah, wasn't it um, the Pebble Steel, the most recent Pebble watch? That was the... the, 200,000. Yeah. And that's a pretty popular watch. I mean, it's gotten really great reviews overall and still is so far off from the Apple Watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did point out that the Samsung, is it Gear? Yeah. Has the sales were down just because they have a new model coming out. Um, in the fourth quarter, so naturally mm-hmm. sales would fall off if people are waiting for the newest device. But even still, but still, it was saying within the first five months of a- the Apple Watch being on sale, they've sold more units than any other smartwatch combined. So that's yeah, pretty. Then all crazy. the other smartwatch. I, I think. I mean, it is very impressive. But smartwatch was not a, a booming industry. I mean, Apple basically tried to come out and say. We are the premier smartwatch. Nobody else has gotten it right. And I think pretty much all the reviews agreed with them. Like the Mm -hmm. Android 
smartwatches just mm-hmm. aren't there yet. No, they're really not. Um, I mean, there are so many different models now, and it's definitely there's a lot of hype around smartwatches, but like nobody's nobody's had a really successful one. Yeah, I mean, maybe not quite this extreme, but it's kind of like saying that when the iPad came out, it outsold all the other tablets combined. And it was like, there were no other good tablets out there. Yeah, it's still, I mean, like if you think about the percentage of our readers who have Apple Watches and they're a pretty like pro-Apple group compared to the general population, I don't yeah. think the percentage is that high. Yeah, I, is I, can, I can tell you because we had a survey question on the insiders. I think it's up to 40% of our really? iPhone Life insiders have an Apple Watch now. So why do it's I get hate high. mail from them every time we run an Apple <laughs> no, Watch? No, you too. get hate mail from the other 60%. I get still, it. the majority of people, and we have the enthusiasts, still don't have an Apple Watch. So, mm-hmm. Although I was surprised when I was traveling this summer by how many people I saw using Apple Watches in the airport and I had to really restrain myself from going up to like strangers <laughs> and being like, "How do you like it? Like, <laughs> what made you decide to buy it?" Like, you, you know, I had totally the same, done that. I had the same experience last weekend in Vegas. I was at brunch and they had like no seating, so I was sitting at the bar next to some people, and they were both wearing the Apple Watches, and I just was like staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I I feel like I've had the opposite experience. I feel like when I travel, I'm surprised by how few people I see wearing Apple Watches. Mm-hmm. I was at a birthday party like a couple months ago, and there were like two or three other people wearing Apple Watches, which I felt was really strange. Hmm. So overall, uh, and obviously this is our area to talk about how to use the technology, so we're not necessarily, we don't, we're not analysts in the market, but are you guys surprised by the adoption rate? Do you think it's higher than you thought it would be or lower or about, about right? I, I don't know that I had like specific numbers in mind, but it seemed fairly obvious having done a lot of research on the other smartwatches available that the Apple Watch was going to be in a different class and was going to do better. And I think they promoted, they did a great job promoting mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that David was right in that it's promising, but it's also not saying as much as it sounds like because smartwatches still have a long ways to mm-hmm. go. And I think that... Um, it's really only the early adopters who are who are buying the Apple Watch at this point. But there are a lot of people that, that love Apple, so they're willing to seven million is, you know, pretty decent, I'd say. Yeah. I think that number sounds bit higher than I thought it would be. So in that sense, I'm impressed. Uh, anecdotally, when I talk to people about it, I think that you're right. The Apple has done a really good job getting the early adopters. But I haven't heard people who are not early adopters get excited about it. At I think, all. Yeah, I think they're still yeah. in the kind of like, I have no idea why this is useful phase. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I find my watch so useful. I'm actually having a problem right now where it's not communicating with my iPhone. I think I just have to repair it. It's probably to do with the beta program. Um, but not getting those notifications mm-hmm. from my phone and not being able to check the weather is just... I. I hadn't even realized how much I was dependent on that, and it's really, really annoying. What's interesting, exactly, is I've talked, I've, I haven't talked to very many people who have an Apple Watch who say that. Most people I talk to who have an Apple Watch say, oh, yeah, of course it's useful. And some of that, of course, is like, 
you paid a lot of money for it, so you want to you want to mm-hmm. like get the most out of it. But yeah, I forgot to wear my Apple Watch the other day, and I felt so naked. Like I kept looking at my wrist, trying to like see what's going on, and then I'd be like, "Oh my God, I, how am I going to know any notifications now?" <laughs> Actually, the only no. times that since I got my Apple Watch that I haven't worn it every single day was when I was out with the flu, and since I slept basically the whole day, <laughs> I was like, "There's no point putting it on." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's similar to my iPhone in that way, where it's like I don't think about it that much when I wear it, but then when I when I don't have it, when I don't have my phone, not when I'm wearing my phone, <laughs> I definitely I miss it and I feel like separation anxiety. Um, but with the Apple Watch numbers, I guess I was somewhat surprised by the high sales because I think I think it's strange that Apple itself Apple hasn't announced how many sales they've had. Yeah, I assume that it was selling poorly because yeah. Apple didn't announce it. I agree. Strange. Um, we'll see. Maybe at some point they'll break them out. They also have not mm-hmm. broken out sales for Apple TV, so I'll be curious to see that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, let's get into our main theme because uh, we got a lot to talk about here, and I think, Donna, you're going to moderate this, correct? Because I That's usually right. moderate, but I'm the one that spent hours on the phone with customer service and on spreadsheets and stuff, so I got a lot of information to share. All right, guys. So David's article basically it just assesses all of the major carriers, Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, and T-Mobile to see which carriers have the best deals and which one you should go with. And actually, let me pause and do a plug for iPhone Life magazine <laughs> for a second because I do sometimes forget to mention in the podcast, we have a magazine because we're iPhone Life magazine. Uh, we're the biggest magazine in the world focused on iPhone and iPad. We're sold in 60 countries. We're sold in... Walmart, Barnes and Noble, Hudson Airports. So go check us out. You can buy a single copy or you can go to iphonelife.com slash subscribe. And every issue we cover all the Apple news. We cover tips, tricks, how to get the most out of your phone. And of course, apps and gear. Okay, Donna, proceed. <laughs> okay. So um, to start out from your research, David, which carrier did you find has the best coverage? Okay, so this is actually... I'm planning on doing a future podcast uh, in article about this because I found a lot of information. Mm-hmm. And there's this company out there called Root Metric, and we're going to interview them in a future podcast. I've already set it up. Uh, and what they do is they're an independent firm that goes around and they measure all of the metrics mm-hmm. for carriers. And it's interesting because I, I hadn't seen any independent metrics. Mm-hmm. And you see every phone commercial from every carrier try to claim that they have great uh, service. Mm-hmm. Theirs is the best. Yeah, right? exactly. So the winner by far in every category was Verizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of reception, in terms of cellular data speed, uh, in terms of text messaging, all, every area. And these people drove, I think, over 200,000 miles across the United States. To cut. So first of all, this whole article, I'm sorry, I did too, it would have been too much research to cover every carrier in the world. So it's just the U.S., Um, Sorry to our international listeners. Um, But yeah, they drove like over 200,000 miles over the U.S. And so both in terms of in big cities and in uh, regional areas or rural areas, Verizon's the best. AT&T's number two, and they're pretty close. I think the rankings were like on a scale from one to 100. It was like 98 was Verizon and 92 was AT&T or something like that. We'll have to get those exact numbers. I didn't write them down. And then Sprint and T-Mobile were kind of close to each other, but significantly lower. Uh, They were in, I think, the uh, low to mid-80s. 
They're terrible. I I have a T-Mobile subsidiary, and I know Mm -hmm. I've mentioned before that I have unlimited data, but it's so slow, even though they told me it was 4G. It's like, yeah, I'm switching to Verizon. There you go. Um, So, and I use Verizon too. What about you, Donna? What do you use? Verizon. So (laughs) since we're based out of Fairfield, Iowa, this is definitely a rural area. Mm -hmm. Um, Verizon's really the only decent option here. Mm -hmm. And I just was going to add to the question, was in rural areas, are there any areas that really Sprint or AT&T are going to be, or T-Mobile are going to be decent? So the best thing you can do is go ask your neighbors. Talk yeah. to people, Not and I literally mean neighbors here, because sometimes in a, in a city, in a rural area, like some areas are much better than others. I know whenever I walk into the grocery store, my phone stops working instantly. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So ask your neighbors what they use and whether they like it, because it's t- too hard to test everywhere. And so some places, T-Mobile might be okay and Sprint might be okay. Uh, also, you can go to Root Metrics website, and they actually, you can drill down to your own city and actually see their measurements so you can get a feel that way for it. Yeah, it's important because I know AT&T, according to them, is pretty much as good as Verizon, but from people I've spoken to in our area, AT&T is not as good. Exactly. So you definitely don't want to just use root metric. You definitely want to ask around because, yeah, in our area, AT&T really doesn't work very well. Verizon is really the only one. Uh, U.S. Cellular works. So that's another thing is there's a few most regional carriers, and I didn't include them in my article because it was just too much. Uh, most regional carriers piggyback on the other networks, right. but there's a few that don't. Uh, U.S. Cellular actually is used to have mostly their own towers and now doesn't so much anymore. So they work mm-hmm. okay um, in our area. But yeah, overall, if if you live in a big city, mm-hmm. you might be able to get away with T-Mobile and Sprint. If you live in a rural area, don't try it. It's not yeah. worth it. Yeah, well, every time I go to a city, I'm like, oh my God, my phone's so fast. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I just finally got so frustrated. Yeah, and, and quickly, there's a reason we asked this question first, and that's because... As David lays out in his article, coverage is really the first thing you mm-hmm. should look at. Uh, yeah. In general, my take on all of these points as we go through it is phones are still pretty expensive. You're going to end up spending, you know, one to $2,000 a year on your phone and on your service plan. So mm-hmm. because of that, don't try, my, in my opinion, don't try to save a few bucks because it's penny wise and pound foolish. Well, here's what happens though. is you have like one person on your plan. I have six people and that's why, t- and also I'm in Wi-Fi most of the time and I use less than half a gig of data every mm, month. Mm. So that's why my whole family is still staying on, <laughs> on the local subsidiary. Yeah, and, and of course, you, uh, you know, these are rules of thumb, so you have to weigh the pros and cons. And mm-hmm. to some extent, you are, and we'll get into it, you are choosing between price and coverage. Yeah. Um, so we'll get into that in a minute. But overall, I, I think don't underappreciate uh, the importance of making a phone call on a phone. <laughs> right. <laughs> or having Google thing. Maps work while yeah, you're driving. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so next question, we're going to get into um, the new offers from the carriers. Mm -hmm. You used to have to sign a two-year contract all the time. Do you still recommend signing a two-year contract when you get a new phone? So this it's funny. We actually, I got a, I almost read it in this podcast. We got an email from somebody just today when we were planning this podcast complaining how they tried to sign a two-year contract. They went to the Apple store and the Apple store wouldn't let them. They went to, so then they went to the AT&T store and AT&T store wouldn't let them. Overall, uh, pretty much every major carrier 
has either already phased out or is in the process of phasing out contracts. Uh, so mm-hmm. how it used to work is you would go into a, a, a carrier and you would buy a phone for 200 bucks, which would be the 16 gig, and you'd sign a two-year contract. That phone actually cost $649. So T-Mobile or whatever carrier you go into is subsidizing the difference there. And they're charging you extra each month to make up the difference. Right. So what they've started doing now is basically just decoupling that process. Because everybody wants an iPhone every year, they were locking people into a plan that didn't let them have an iPhone every year. And so they've decoupled it. So what that means is that you have to pay for your phone up front, which is $640, but then you don't have to pay for a higher monthly premium. Um, So most carriers actually will let you finance this phone. So you're actually paying a monthly fee for the phone plus paying a monthly fee for for the use, which ends up being about the same price that you would have paid anyway. So really you're paying about the same price, but you have the advantage of not being locked into a contract. Right. Um, so overall, it's actually a good thing for you. So I, the guy mm-hmm. today was all freaked out because he'd had the same contract since 2008. Um, but th- what, what it means is you're actually, most of the plans have gone a little bit cheaper. You actually, if you have good credit, don't even need to put any money down on your phone up front. And uh, you can upgrade every year if you want to. Do you recommend upgrading every year? Um, so I crunched the numbers on that. <laughs> um, let me pull those numbers up for you. As David loves to do. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with spreadsheets on this one. So one of the things that people often don't realize is how much a used iPhone is worth. Uh, and that's important because if you're upgrading a phone, you then sell your old iPhone. Right. Uh, and these phones depreciate over time. And so one of the factors that people often don't weigh, don't weigh is what a phone is worth after one year and a phone is worth after two years. Hmm. So you buy a phone up front, um, and for this, we'll, I, I'm assuming you're buying a 64 gig, and we'll, we'll get into that in right. a second, comparing which phones to, to get. Um, so that's the 64 gigabyte iPhone 6S, 6S model. Exactly. And, and how much does that cost again? $749. Okay. So I'm assuming you're getting an iPhone 6S, 64 gig. And actually what I'm assuming is that Apple doesn't change their prices. So every time you get a new phone, you're getting the most recent phone, which now happens to be a 6S. Uh, so, right. so you pay $749 up front. And here's the thing that most people don't realize. Uh, according to eBay, and I went and kind of researched eBay and what their average sale price was for an iPhone, uh, a one-generation-old iPhone, so an iPhone 6, sells for $500, whereas a two-generation-old iPhone, so an iPhone 5S, sells for $300. So you're actually right. paying less per phone uh, if you buy it each year. Of course, you're buying twice the number of phones, right? Yeah. but a, you're paying less point. per phone. So, oh, go ahead. And I mean, honestly, like $500, $300, that's, I think that's retaining value pretty well. It's kind yeah. of surprising, actually. Yeah, so if you break it down, what you end up paying per phone is, I'm assuming here that you're selling your phone on eBay and you're paying the, the eBay fee and the PayPal fee, which is, ends up being... Uh, it's 10% for eBay uh-huh. and it's 3% for PayPal. Exactly, so you end up paying 13% for both of those services. Um, so if you end up sell, if, if you buy a phone every year, you end up paying $314 each time you buy a phone. 
Uh, and that's assuming you're selling your phone on eBay for $500. Which means keep it in good condition. Yes, yeah. that's a good point because you can get less if your phone's not in good condition. Uh, one of the things I recommend, actually this isn't in the article, but make sure you keep the original box uh, mm. and keep, one of the things I do actually is I keep all the cords and everything in that box and I just use my cords from my previous model. So when I go to resell, right. it's all looks totally pristine, like it's never even been opened anymore. Don't worry, I'm not marketing it as new and I'm <laughs> marketing it as, as used, but uh, that way it looks very pristine and you can sell it for a little more. Uh, on a two year model, uh, you actually are paying $488 per time you buy a phone. Now, like I said, you're mm -hmm. buying twice as many phones if you buy it every year, so your cost per year ends up being $314 for if you're buying a phone every year, and it ends up being $244 per year if you buy a phone every two years. So you're still saving money, but it's not as much as I would have thought. It's about like $80 or so. Uh, that seems worth yeah. a yearly upgrade to me because the difference in function can totally. Even it, though I argued against that in a previous <laughs> podcast. Well, but you hadn't, and I didn't realize until I crunched the numbers how similar they were. For eighty dollars right. a year, you get to keep your phone. You get to have always have the newest iPhone, and that seems totally worth it to me. And the yeah. other factor here too is that. Uh, Actually, they end up being almost exactly the same price if you take out the eBay fees because you're paying a higher eBay fee for your newer phone. So if you sell it on Craigslist or locally and you can make 500 bucks on it, you're mm -hmm. actually almost at break even. I think it's $25 per year uh, less to buy a phone every two years, which is like negligible. Yeah. So really this change, it seems to me that, that the carriers are encouraging you to get a phone every year because it's such a better deal now. Yeah. Would well, I, I think what they decoupled it because they make the same amount of money, plus they make a commission on phones. So yeah, it, mm -hmm. it may, it really, the two year contract system made no sense. Uh, it, it was actually hurting their sales and upsetting their customers at the same time. So yeah, they're trying to make it easier for you to buy more phones through them because they mm -hmm. make money and you're happy. I also think it's a natural progression, like, you know, the fact that people are moving as cord cutting happens from like those boxes you get from your cable company to say an Apple TV or I, I maybe I'm really old, but I feel like when I was really little, we used to get our phones from the phone company mm -hmm. and then you started buying them. You know, it's like a bring your own device and it just happens gradually. It seems like with every kind of technology. Well, and it used to be like if you got a flip phone from AT&T or Verizon, you didn't care that you had it for two years because technology didn't, like your phones were not a critical part of your life back then. So mm. now people care to have a new phone every year and so the evolution made sense for sure. Are you, so, are you convinced Donna? Sarah said she would, having heard those numbers, she would get a phone every year. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. I also, I like to sell things on eBay. I've been doing that for a while, which I think that that's, that is a barrier for some yeah, people. They're like, absolutely. what? Like, I don't know how to do that. That sounds like I just a hate taking pictures of things. <laughs> What? Yeah, so I, I've already been selling my phones on eBay, and I think, you know, your the, your model does assume that you have to be willing to do that and have to keep your phone in pretty good condition. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely can sell stuff on eBay. I don't know if I can keep it in good condition, <laughs> but... What I recommend, actually, and I don't think I mentioned this in the article, I use eBay Valet, uh, which is cool because they take care of everything for you. So rather than paying 13%, I pay 20%. So they're taking an extra 7% from me, but... I don't have to, I just ship it to mm -hmm. them, they list it, they ship it, they they take care of the whole thing for me and just write me a check in the end. And don't they also wipe the phone for you so you don't even have to worry about like... 
I think they do, but I I always wipe my own phone. I don't don't trust a random eBay person to do that. (laughs) Why not, David? (laughs) You know. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, but that definitely is a major barrier, which is that it's a little bit more of a hassle. One thing I definitely do not recommend doing is selling your phone through, there's a lot of services out there like Gazelle, for example, Gazelle will give you like 250 bucks for for a, a phone that's a year old. So using wow. eBay instead of those services is a much better deal. Same thing, do not yeah. trade your phone into the carriers. They all have this trade your phone in clause now. They're not giving you a good deal. That's why they no. have it. So yeah. And sometimes they'll even penalize you. Like with Verizon, I upgraded after one year. And they did charge me, I think, $140 to not trade in with them because I was locked into a contract mm-hmm. um, at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, it still was a better deal for me to sell my phone on eBay and pay that $140 yeah. penalty. Wow. Yeah. Like they're really giving me that yeah. bad of a deal. So, so people, I mean, partly if you don't want to have, if you don't want to bother with it and you have the money, I get it. But I think a lot of people don't know. So it's good to understand that selling it on eBay or Craigslist, yeah. you're going to make a lot more money. We actually have an article on the website that maybe I should post yeah. in this podcast on For how sure. to sell your phone on eBay. Exactly. So circling back to, um, you know, David assumed that you'd be getting a 64 gigabyte iPhone success. Mm-hmm. Uh, the base model is 16 gigabytes and it's $100 less. So why should you get the 64 gigabyte instead? Well, it's funny because I I wrote this article and I went through this whole long thing about how please do not get the 16 gigabytes. And then I found out that both Donna and Sarah have a 16 gigabyte phone. It's um, so painful. So the basically, I'll walk you through kind of what takes, first of all, storage, for those of you to back up all the way to the beginning, storage is your iPhone has flash storage and, and it uses that storage to keep things like photos and videos and apps and anything that you download onto your phone is uses up storage. So the major hogs of storage, kind of in order, video takes up by far the most storage. So if you do a lot of video, that takes up a lot of storage. Uh, pictures and music take up a lot of storage as well. Um, and so do uh, graphic intensive apps like like games. If you're playing like some of the more intense games for iPhone, those take up a lot of storage. So if you don't take photos, if you don't take videos, if you don't have music on your phone, uh, then a 16 gig is probably fine. But also, um, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know. I don't take. I mean, real. I'm always saying I don't take photos, mm-hmm. but I'm looking at my storage, and the second largest use of my storage is my photos and camera app. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we uh, thought it would be fun today to go over what we're using our storage for, and you can do this too. So if you have a phone. You can go into your settings and you go into, what is it, general and then storage and then manage storage and it'll tell you. Um, So uh, how how many gigabytes are you using for your uh, camera? Um, 628 megabytes. Okay. And do you want to navigate and tell us how many photos you have? Um, You actually, if you just open up your photos app, it'll tell you. I have 100 and something, I'm pretty sure. No, I have 616. The reason I was so wrong is because I was just working on uploading photos to my computer for a tip we're about to do, and it told me that it uploaded 110, so I don't know. (laughs) I have 616 photos. And how many gigabytes are you using? And 27 videos. I'm using, like, just under 700 megabytes. Okay, because I'm using... Let me pull it back up. Uh, I'm navigating between many apps here. Uh, I think it's, like, 1.4 gigabytes 
let's see, where'd it go? Ah, here it is. Yeah, 1.4 gigabytes, but I have 3,600 photos on my phone. Interesting. Um, but I think most of those I'm doing in that, like the new way they do it, where it's actually storing it on the cloud and downloading when I access it. You know, I, I just photo library. Yeah, reset I the settings <laughs> on my on my phone. Um, being in the beta program is not always awesome, and I just redid all of the settings on my phone, and maybe that turned that setting off mm, because I did have yeah. that enabled. I also before. I don't have that many videos though, and like we said, videos take up the most. So let me see how yeah, many videos I, I have. I have a lot of. Videos. Oh, I have seventy videos. Okay, so mind, that actually me. though is better than I would have thought in terms of one point four gigs for three thousand photos and seventy videos. It seems like it's not crazy. Uh, the biggest, oh, go ahead, Donna. I was gonna say, in my photos and camera, I'm only using 376 megabytes, and I have 2,400 photos and 20 videos, so. I have my iPhone storage optimized, too. Okay. Me too. But do you have live photos? Do you think that might be taking up more space? Well, yes, except for my photos seem to be taking up less space, so I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. So photos and videos definitely do take up a lot of space. So my biggest thing that takes up space is actually Spotify for me. Hmm. Uh, the reason being that I just have chosen to download a lot of music onto my phone. What's the point in having it? It's like got to be on your phone. Well, right? and that's my theory in general is what's the point in having a phone if you can't have all the stuff on it? If you can't take photos, you can't take videos, and you can't download apps, that's like half of your iPhone right there. I had the saddest experience this weekend because I reset all of my settings. I didn't realize that all of my music went off my phone. Oh, it still no. showed up, but it wasn't downloaded. And I, I, I had to drive to a city two hours from here. And then on the way back, I went to listen to music on my phone. And... I couldn't, and I ended up stopping at a McDonald's and signing up for the free <laughs> Wi-Fi and, like, downloading, like, it still took forever. I probably downloaded, wow. like, 20 songs so just to funny. get me home. <laughs> so, guys, so what's your top, what takes up the most Okay, storage? so I'll just yeah. read mine. Let's just each read it. Spotify's at 3.7 gigs, followed by Messages at 1.8, and that's something I've seen a lot of people have, and it's misleading. It's because it's not like a text message takes up space. But you're texting people photos, you're texting them gifts, you're texting right. them videos. Right. My mom texts me like cute photos of my nephew every day, and mm -hmm. she texted me 1.8 gigabytes worth of photos, apparently. Wow. What you do is you save them and then delete them from the Messages app, and we have a tip on doing that. Or you just get a 64 gigabyte phone and don't worry about it. And that's the <laughs> point I'm making, is you can have a 16 gigabyte phone, but you're guaranteed, not, maybe not guaranteed, but you're almost definitely going to run out of space which isn't the yeah. end of the world because you can manage it, but I just don't think people end up managing it. It ends up actually being a real hassle for them. I do manage it. I try and keep about four gigabytes free, which is what I have right now, but having to pay attention to that, being like, like, why can't I have 50 Kindle books downloaded? I want to like have all my options. Exactly. And I never look at my data. I, I, I have all my photos on live photo. I do these things, and for an extra 100 bucks, it's just worth it for me. And that's the difference, by the way. It costs, I think it, it's an extra $100 yeah, it to get a 64 over a 16 gig. And that's a huge amount of data. For the record, I'm using 35 gigabytes right now. So sorry, I read my list. Go ahead, guys. All right, Sarah, what do you use? Um, I'm using music, which is just under one gig. I'm using photos and camera, which is 628 megabytes. Messages, 201 megabytes. I use our tip where I delete photos <laughs> because I have a 16 gigabyte phone. Those are all so low. I mean, I had 1.8 for a gigabyte. I had 1.8 for messages. I feel like this is not accurate because, like I said, I reset my phone and oh, yeah. that removed a lot of things. 
Um, Facebook, which I just put down, like just put back on my phone this morning, is already at 168 megabytes. It's the fourth on the list. And Kindle is 137 megabytes. It's usually a lot higher because I usually have a lot of books on my phone. For me, podcasts is my uses the most. It wow. takes uh, 1.3 gigabytes. And that's because, I mean, you can manage in settings how many are actually downloading to your mm-hmm. phone, but it's one of the things that I actually store on my phone. And then I have almost a gig worth of messages. Then photos and camera is next. But that's just, like I said before, uh, 300, a little more than 350 megabytes. So I just am constantly managing what yeah. I have on my phone yeah. because I have 16 gigabytes. So... I, you know, I do think next year I'll get the 64 gigabyte. It's just something I didn't really think about because mm-hmm. it ha- has such a high price tag at 649 <laughs> Somehow 749 seems like so much more, but really, in the scheme of things, it's not that much more. I, I made the decision to get a 16 gigabyte phone because I didn't want to wait a few weeks to get the 64 gigabyte phone, and it was a very stupid decision. Uh, it would have been worth waiting a few weeks. One which will be rectified as soon as I get around to buying Sarah's phone. <laughs> right. So you are getting, so Sarah day. is getting a 64 gigabyte phone. I followed my own advice and had mm-hmm. a 64 gigabyte phone. Uh, Donna, you next time around next will year. get a 64 yeah. gig. I think, and to go to the other side of the spectrum, I think unless you're doing something that's really uh, memory intensive, like taking a lot of 4K videos, uh, I can't even think of a lot of reasons why you need 128 gig. For the most part, don't bother with 128 gig um, unless you know you have a lot of stuff. I mean, I have so much music on my phone and so much uh, photos on my phone, and I'm not using up that much space. So right. one of the things that's interesting, though, to look at before we move on, I have, let's see, one, two, three, four. I have five apps that are all over one gigabyte. And it's like, I mean, some of these I could just get rid of. Like Hearthstone is a graphic game, which we talked about. Uh, I don't play it very much, but it's like I don't even have to worry about it. Whereas you guys don't have, you only had one that was above one gigabyte. Yeah. Yeah, I usually have more than one that's above one gigabyte. But it's true. I've been really stingy about keeping games on my phone. Yeah, we just have to be more conscientious. Yeah. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So to get to the heart of the matter, so which carrier is the cheapest? I think that's one, you know... Coverage is the most important thing, but a lot of there's so many deals now from all of the carriers, it's hard to mm-hmm. figure out what's the best deal. Yeah, and, and that's a, actually an important disclaimer because they often do promotions and somebody might have a particularly good deal right now. True. Uh, so I tried to... I tried to basically reflect what the standard rates were. If there was a promotion Mm -hmm. that seemed like it was kind of the standard rate, I went with it. Uh, Whereas if somebody was doing something that was really unusual, like, oh, buy buy an iPhone and get a tablet, I didn't factor in all those things. So definitely make sure, I'm sorry, even though I called the carriers for you all, you still need to call them. It's (laughs) worth it to to get the prices and the deals. Um, Overall... There, uh, there's a difference between individual plans and family plans. So first mm-hmm. of all, family plans tend to be cheaper. So yep. if you're part of a family, do, buy your phones together. If you're not part of a family, see if you get, can get some friends to go in a group because it makes a big difference. Uh, so let me kind of break it down for you here. Um, the other thing that we didn't get into too much is I recommend about two gigabytes of data. Uh, right. The intros are usually one gigabyte of data, and I, it's not worth it because, first of all, the average person, I Googled it, the average person in America uses about two gigabytes of data. 
Uh, but per month. Th- per month, thanks. But the cost of going over is actually really high. There's high fees if you go over. So it's better to kind of err on the side of getting a little bit too much data and paying maybe an extra five bucks per month than go way over and have to pay an extra 30, 40, 50 bucks. But I would happens. look at your own data and yes. how you actually use it because I really struggle to use more than half a gig of data. And for me, it would be worth it for the times when I travel and maybe need more data to like because if you pay ahead of time, like if you make an arrangement with your carrier, depending on the carrier, you can sometimes pay ahead of time and it's much cheaper to get a bit more data ahead of time if you know you're going to have extra usage as opposed mm-hmm. to paying for extra data all along if, if your regular usage is not that much. And from what I understand, is data really what you pay for these days with the carriers? Yes, thank you. That's a good point. So basically carriers, almost all, actually all of the major carriers now, you have unlimited talk and text. So you can talk on low, or, you know, within the U.S., you can call anybody as much as you want. You can text them as much as you want. And they charge you based mm-hmm. on how much data you use. And Sarah's correct that you can switch month to month. So if you're traveling, you might need some more. You can up it that month and then decrease it the month after. And isn't that part of the like perks of not having the two-year contract? You can change your plan more often I now? I think a lot of actually... Uh, a lot of carriers have always let you mm-hmm. pay for a little extra data huh. ahead of time. Yeah, they've okay. always let you go upgrade and downgrade in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the major things they use data are uh, streaming services, especially if you're streaming video or if you're streaming uh, like Pandora, Spotify, or something like that. And of course, that's when you're not on Wi-Fi. So if you're on Wi-Fi, you're not using data. A lot of people get confused by this. Mm-hmm. If you're on Wi-Fi, do whatever you want on your iPhone and don't worry about it. In terms, <laughs> at least in terms yeah. of not worrying about your data usage. Um, go ahead. Well, what you really need to do is in settings, go into cellular and go down to the list of apps and choose which ones you want to have access to your cellular data. You can always go in if you change your mind and need to download, say, like me, music or something when you're away from mm-hmm. Wi Fi or a book or some sort of streaming. You can go back and change it. But if you don't want to accidentally be streaming over cellular data when you don't need to, it's a good idea to go through and, and turn that off. So YouTube is a good example of one you don't yes. want to be watching YouTube videos on your cellular data. Or just, you know, and, and don't go crazy here. Just understand how much data you're using in a month. And you can you can usually, I think every carrier now has an, has an app that you can mm-hmm. log in and see. You can call your carrier, which I recommend doing, and they can give you an average of how much you use per month and like what your highs and lows were, kind of like a utility. But I think it's it goes along with, the, say, the difference between a 16 gigabyte phone and a 64 gigabyte phone. You don't want to end up with such a small amount of data that you're having to constantly manage. Exactly. Find somewhere that's comfortable. Exactly. So I recommend two gigs. I think that one gig, some people can get away with it. Most people, it's either going to be a hassle for them or they're going to go over and pay more. Uh, So the plans I looked at are all two gig. Uh, That being said, Verizon and T-Mobile actually don't have a two gigabyte option. They have a one gig and a three gig. So it's not an apples to apples here because we're comparing a three gigabyte Verizon, three gigabyte T-Mobile, and then two gigabytes of data for AT&T and Sprint. But basically how it breaks down is in addition to the phone, because the phone you're getting separately now, remember that, you're paying on Verizon, you're paying $65 a month for an individual plan of three gigs. AT&T, you're paying 55 Sprint, you're paying 50 In T-Mobile, you're paying 60 
And does that include, so you're paying for a certain amount for the data, but then also you have a connection fee. With that, it, right? inclu- that includes the connection fee. Okay. Uh, that does not include the taxes and fees because that just is all tacked on to everybody's plan. Okay. I don't think, I think it's like $5 or less. So it's not a huge factor. Mm-hmm. The only other factor that I didn't include here uh, is the activation fee. Some charge you $35, some charge you 15 some don't charge you any. And that's I, a one-time fee, It's right? a one-time fee, which is why I didn't bother analyzing it because really, if you're paying $10 less per month, it's a over the course of a year, that's 120 bucks as opposed to a $15 activation fee. Not worth thinking about that much. Um, so basically, the, the takeaway for an individual plan, and it's actually going to be the same in a minute for the family plan, is Verizon is the most expensive, but it, uh, it's $15 more per month than Sprint, which is the cheapest at 50 So again, you are choosing between Sprint, which has, is the cheapest, uh, but doesn't have as good service, and Verizon, which has the best service, but is the most expensive. Uh, and then a family plan, let me flip my page here. Uh, so I assumed it's a family of four, and again, each person needed two gigabytes of data, so that, that puts you at 10 gigabytes of data. Um, and so for the breakdown, basically, is uh, for four lines, uh, including the lines and the data, it's $160 per month for Verizon. Uh, AT&T is 160 as well. T-Mobile is 120 and Sprint is 100 So again, it, it's... Uh, significantly cheaper to do a family plan because even at Verizon, if you have four people on, on a plan, you're paying 40 bucks a month Wow! At, as opposed to $65 a month. And I know with uh, the T-Mobile subsidiary that I'm on, actually, like the more lines you have, the cheaper the cost of the line. Yes. So mm-hmm. I have six people on my line and it's 140. Yeah. And so it's crazy to me that, I mean, these plans have gone down so much. If you're on Sprint with four people, you can pay $25 per month to get 10 gigabytes of data. Um, $25 per person per month. But that's so cheap. Uh, So definitely, if you can get a family plan, do it. Uh, And especially because then you can kind of have the best of both worlds where, yes, you're paying 40 bucks per person per month instead of 25 uh, for Verizon as opposed to Sprint. But then you're still paying only forty bucks per month, and you have great you have great uh, coverage. So that's the breakdown of uh, the pl- prices. So I guess my last question would be about you, you did say that getting the sixty four gigabyte model is the best, mm-hmm. um, but there are different ways to buy your phones. Mm-hmm. And do you recommend just buying it outright? financing it, leasing it, there are options now to lease it. Oh, good question. Which which do you think is the best? Yeah, so that's one of the last things I did analyze was leasing versus buying. Uh, and so first of all, I'll answer the other question quickly because it's an easy one. Buying out upright versus financing, all the financing options are zero, zero money or they're zero interest. So if you can right. finance, just finance because money has a time value and you yeah. might as well spend that money later as opposed to now. Uh, so there's no downside to financing your phone over buying it up front as far as I'm concerned. Um, if you can think of a downside or if I'm wrong on any of this stuff, send us an email, uh, podcast at iphonelife.com. Uh, but the, the real thing that was interesting was Apple now introduced a new plan, which is a leasing option for the iPhone. And basically how it works is you pay, I think it's $32 per month. Right. And that's for the base model iPhone. Mm-hmm. And, and it includes Apple Care, right? 
and it includes Apple mm-hmm. Care. You pay $32 a month uh, for uh, the 16 gig and $37 a month for the 64 gig. So again, I'm going to analyze everything in 64 gigs because I'm an advocate of the 64 gigabytes. Right. Uh, and so basically, at the end of a year uh, of paying $37 per year, you trade in your phone and you get a new phone. Uh, you don't pay any extra money uh, and you get... But you can continue paying for two years and keep the phone. You can do that, yeah. But uh, then it's an even worse deal. Yeah, so but uh, I'm just letting people know that option is there have even to if do they it. shouldn't do it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you trade in your phone and then you get a new phone and it sounds appealing because, oh, I don't have to buy a new phone every year. But w- again, what people forget to think about is the average resale value of a phone is you a, a phone that's one year old is still worth $500 and you're just handing it to them uh, and getting a new phone. So right. how, how the math ends up working is $37 for 12 months is about is $450. Uh, and so that's the cost of leasing. You end up paying $450 per year. Uh, whereas you buy a new phone up front, you pay $750. But then you can, after all your eBay fees and everything, uh, you make $435. So you end up actually only paying $314 per year. So buying Hmm. is significantly cheaper than leasing. Um, So don't take them up on those leasing options. They're not a good deal. Right, except for, for That's Apple. That's good to know because they're yeah. really pushing them. Yeah. There, although I will say the one factor in here is Apple Pay. This is not including Apple Care. Inclu- right? Apple Care yeah, thanks. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is not including Apple Care, which costs ninety nine dollars. So even ninety nine e- per year. You, I don't know. It's one twenty nine. It's one twenty nine for the iPhone six S for two years. It's ninety nine dollars for the iPhone six for one year. But how? From what I understand. If you include the the one twenty nine over the two years, it, um, it comes out about then the it's same. zero interest. It's considered zero interest for le- leasing. Like it ends up costing the amount of the phone plus Apple Care. Okay. But that's only if you planned on getting Apple Care in the first place. And at least I've never bought yeah. Apple Care. I've yeah, never really cared. Either. You know, I used to advocate getting insurance because the phones were so expensive, and if you broke it, it really sucked. I kind of stopped advocating that though because ninety percent of the time, what happens is you break your screen. Uh, and screens actually aren't that expensive no, to get repaired. I, I mean, you can like get it for like yeah, a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Whereas insurance, you're paying a hundred dollars for the insurance up front. Plus, you break your phone and you have to pay a fifty to a hundred dollar deductible. Yeah, because you have Apple Care, that doesn't mean if you break your phone that they'll fix it for free. Yeah, right. exactly. So I kind of don't. I I don't really recommend Apple Care or the other insurance providers yeah. at this point. Uh, as long as you know, if you break your phone two or three times, there's a point in which it pays for itself. For that point, I guess if you drop your phone in water, only, that's when it, you get in it trouble. It only works for, like, I think it, it allows, like, a limited number of iPhone catastrophes. Yeah. yeah but uh, does it... Two. Apple Care covers water, correct? Uh, no, it oh, doesn't, doesn't even. Yeah. Oh. oh, but that's a major... That's I know. a major cause of... That's why yeah. it's very limited. I, I feel like... Really, if you are that concerned about your phone, invest in a high-quality OtterBox or other protective case. Yeah, I mean, and I say this a lot, but I drop my phone more than almost anybody I know. I have a glass screen protector. I have nothing on the back, and I resell my phone every year for in in good to excellent condition. Uh, So 
it's okay. Yeah. You'll be okay, people. Relax. Yeah. That's my advice. Although now I'm going to get a lot of angry emails when everybody drops their phone in water. Well, yeah. you have to take into account to how you use your phone and where and how klutzy you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I drop my phone a lot, but it's usually like on... No, it's on hardwood. I really... I don't know. I think, I think phones are tougher than people realize. So basically, now you have a PhD in how to yeah. pick, how to pick a carrier. It's crazy how, how many options there are now. It was really yeah. I mean, it was one of the things I've I've always wanted to analyze this because it is really complicated. So I, yeah. it, it took me a while to get to the bottom of it, uh, and so hopefully I helped you guys and saved you guys some time. Do you have any like last words about the carriers? Any final advice? Well, just to summarize, I think uh, I recommend. If you're definitely if in your rural area, I would recommend uh, Verizon unless you are told from other people that it's uh, another carrier works. So I definitely recommend Verizon. I recommend two gigabytes of data, 64 gigabyte phone. I recommend buying your phone instead of leasing your phone. And I, I've been trying to stay neutral on this, but I recommend buying a new phone every year. It's worth it, people. Just mm-hmm. go for it. It depends. I mean, my parents actually returned to like dumb phones because they never actually used the smartphone features that's not most people yeah but i mean and maybe those people aren't even listening to this podcast if you're listening to this podcast hopefully you have an iphone yeah (laughs) we actually i don't know if i should get into this we got a letter from somebody who was requesting a refund on their subscription to iphone life magazine and they told us our our magazine was perfect in every way except for they had an android phone (laughs) (laughs) and they had gone to the trouble of subscribing to our magazine only to to then ask for a refund because they didn't have an iPhone. So please go to iPhoneLife.com slash subscribe, but only if If you you have have an iPhone. Or an iPad. (laughs) Or an iPad. Thank you. All right. So I think that's all for the day. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, guys. Oh, and let me remind everybody to go subscribe to the podcast. So go into iTunes and subscribe. Review us, please. We appreciate reviews. Send us an email, iPhoneLife.com slash podcast. Uh, that would be to go visit the podcast. You can email us at uh, podcast at iphonelife.com. And then once again, that's iphonelife.com slash daily tips for a free daily tip and iphonelife.com slash insider to get an insider subscription. And at iphonelife.com slash podcast, we will uh, provide a link to the article. If you want to review a lot of this information, we have an article that yes, has we'll have everything you need mm-hmm. to everything we've discussed. Uh, and just the article that... I, I go over all this information for is actually in the magazine, mm-hmm. so you will have to subscribe to read that. That's iphonelife.com slash subscribe. We might at some point post some of this data online, uh, but, you know, it'll be a little while, so go subscribe first. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>